Hi, this is GM Talks. This is our third episode. I'm Keegan. I am joined by my lovely assistant, Brennan. And you know, we're both lovely because we refuse to show our faces. We we are uh, joined by Rafael. He is a gamer down in Brazil. Yeah, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. Actually, Sao Paulo is the, uh, besides where I'm from, is the mm-hmm. largest uh, number of fans on the Facebook page are from Sao Paulo, actually. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, 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 like especially the word darkness is huge here in Brazil, like it's bigger than D&D, really. Really, yeah, no, it, I kind of yeah. gathered that by some of the pages. I'd also seen a protest sign. Oh, uh, yeah, I love the one. Yeah, six, six or so years ago where it was uh, in Portuguese, wherever it... Uh, Wherever it dwells, wherever whenever it, dwells, it breeds. Yep. Yeah, 2013, I was on those, yeah, as well, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as games go, Raphael, do you play uh, World of Darkness for the most part? Any uh, of those games that you favor more than others? Yeah, that, that that's kind of a tricky question, because uh, I've been playing RPGs since I was 14, and... I'm 17, uh, 20, uh, I'm 27 right now, so that's like 13 years or something like that. And usually, when I started playing with my friends, we used to have both homebrew systems and homebrew uh, settings. So it took a long time until I actually start to play RPGs from a brand, you know. Uh, and I believe my first one was Vampire, like most of the of the Brazilians, like most of the Brazilians that I know, they started playing RPG, RPG for Vampire. Because, you see, the thing is, the reason why World of Darkness is way bigger here than D&D, as I said, is because it's mainly two reasons. First, in D&D, to play, only to play, you need three books, right? You need the player book, the GM book, and the monster book. And then, uh, also, uh, 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 a lot of those books, they took a long time to actually be localized here in Brazil, you know, to tr- be translated to Portuguese and such. Hence, uh, when the, uh, uh, the War of Darkness, especially Vampire, they, they got here translated a little bit earlier than D&D, and you only need one book to play each game. Of course, you had models, and most of them not even got in Brazil, but still, you only need one to play the basic game. And so that made it way more popular as well. Uh, in fact, D&D here only got a little bit more popular with 5th edition. And just to get this idea, 5th edition only got in Portuguese here, uh, I think it was last year. Really? Wow. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they had like a, a kind of a mess with the, when they were choosing the companies that would make the translation and such. So. Basically, it only got here in Portuguese last year. I know. Uh, I know Goodman Games. They tried to get Dungeon Crawl Classics translated, and they did have it translated into Portuguese. I think last yeah. year or the year before, but they had a falling out with the publisher down there because they didn't. They uh, they didn't fulfill their obligations to their customers on Kickstarters and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I don't know so much about that this this, this subject specifically, but I remember that was 
there was a little bit of a mess with that, similar to what happened in D&D here. But, uh, for example, it's kind of funny because even though a lot of these products from the work darkness uh, didn't got in Portuguese until later on, or even didn't got in Portuguese at all, we had uh, a lot of groups of people that were fans and they spoke and read in they wrote in English and they pretty much they translate uh, to other people. Like a huge one, maybe the biggest one of those groups is the Nasongaru. Mm-hmm. That's the one that uh, that that's uh, is also in partnership with the Rage Across Brazil group. Okay. So the, yeah, so those guys they pretty much translate. I think pretty much almost everything, like game wise from Werewolf to Portuguese, the, st- the stuff that didn't got here until very later on, or didn't got at all. So, and very recently, they create a model, a fan model for Brazil, for Werewolf, specifically, uh-huh. called Brazil in Furia, or as you call it in English, Rage Across Brazil. Uh, and it's great, it's great, really. It's, the, it's probably the best thing of Werewolf that has ever had read, really. No kidding. And uh, they said they would make a translation for English, but that's on the future. Yeah. But it's really good. I recall you sending us a comment about that, actually. And you, yeah, you did a link, yeah. link, link to it. And I was, I was really interested. I just, uh, I do not speak Portuguese. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. It's, this is a very localized uh, uh, knowledge. But... Uh, but yeah, they're gonna they're gonna uh, eventually they're gonna translate to English. Now they are more focused on writing more stuff on top of the model. But once in English, I'm gonna give you a, a call because it's really worth it, man. It's okay. really worth it. I, I wish that all the models were free, were made with that much passion and detail as they did. No, I I totally get it because I remember you'd mentioned that the original. Uh, publication of Rage Across the Amazon was far too Eurocentric. Uh, yeah, and uh, there are some things that they didn't got so much right, you know. For example, a lot of the names they use were Spanish names, not Portuguese-like names, you know, for example. That's a very common mistake and one that gets people here very pissed. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 you don't ever when I come to a Brazilian and say, hola, como estás? No, don't do that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and some other cultural stuff, like uh, saying that uh, the thing about El Dorado, that's not really a thing here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's more, we're a little bit more toward north and such. And uh, some geographic problems as well, like saying that there was, I remember that in the Rage Across Amazon, there was an adventure that was in Rio. And, one the opening of the of the adventure saying that was this garu i think it was a glass walker and he had a house on the on the Corcovado hill that's the same hill where we have the crest zimmer thing is that place is a is a is a preservation area so i don't think that any garu would build a house there that's how you say in english karen karen anyway uh, yeah karen uh, that's that's how Trust us, uh, we we in English like debate some of these pronunciations too. <laughs> a lot. Um, if you really want to play the pronunciation game, go play Exalted, and it's like, all right, 
Here's about four consonants in a row. Tell me what his name is. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he was a god, so... <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh. What you learn? Yeah, like, kind of like a Cthulhu old god type. Exactly, exactly. But, yeah, no, I... Oh. I think uh i i've I, I noticed a lot more world of darkness groups in in the portuguese language on facebook yeah. when i made the uh the bunch of gamers facebook page mm-hmm. and noticed uh outside of america brazil is the the largest com- uh largest country that follows <laughs> us actually yeah i'm not surprised really uh, like World of Darkness is really loved here, especially Vampire. People here are crazy about Vampire. You know, I've no, I've known some people that they play Vampire for those old twenties something years, and they, they pretty much, they, you know, they pretty much leave Vampire. And when I say that, this is almost like a style of life for those people. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. There's, uh, there's certainly an aspect of that in America as well. I do know that there's a lot of vampire players more vampire players than any other line here in america as well same Uh, here same here vampire is way more popular than the other one yeah but it's good to see werewolf getting its due at least a little bit with the video game coming out oh i'm so excited for that oh i'm i'm pulling my bloodlines and earth bloods yeah no i earth blood i got my fingers crossed going just like please be good (laughs) Yeah, me too. Like, I'm gonna say like, oh, please don't suck, please don't suck. <laughs> like, because I know, I know, bloodlines are gonna be awesome. I well, know. Well, because it's the same people that work on the first one, so oh, okay. I know it's gonna be awesome. The, yeah, yeah, like yeah, they, they, they got the same musician, uh, same composer for the music, the same lead writer, oh, like awesome. a lot of people on the original. Yeah, they are playing the on the. The only thing that I'm kind of, I don't know, is because they are they're gonna. I think they're gonna use. The fifth edition rules, and I didn't stop to read the fifth edition rules of any of the uh, of yet. Mm-hmm. But they say that's good, so I don't know. I like fifth edition. But... I, I like fifth edition. It is apparent that is apparently a divisive topic in the gaming community right now. Which you know, whatever. That's that's edition wars. Uh, fifth edition D and D or uh, vampire. Yeah, okay. vampire. Yeah, fifth edition vampire. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, fifth edition fifth as well. If you think yeah. about it, it's also very divided. Well, no, uh, that was fourth edition for D and D. Fourth edition. No, was the I, I, I think it's unanimous that uh, no one likes fourth edition. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I have met someone that likes fourth edition. I have. I do reckon that I had some good ideas and some topics, like some mechanics that I use when I when I'm GM uh, or. TM this case, but uh, yeah, like for example, the, the the idea of the how they call that mechanic that you had like a lot of small goons with just one HP. Oh, the minions! Yeah, no, I steal yeah, that too. Yes, I yes. steal that too. Yeah, I like it. I like that. But overall, I think the overall was all pretty much like people say. Sound like a, a, a electronic RPG sometimes. Hmm. Mm. But uh, uh, yes, you're saying you're saying about the fifth edition of Vampire. Oh yeah, th- there's a lot of people who uh, who shit all over fifth edition. They're like they changed all this lore and all this and blah blah blah. And you have to being hungry as a vampire might mean that you critically success and something still goes wrong. Or they made all the superpowers kind of weak, and it's like okay. 
And if that's not your thing, fine, man. Like, if you don't, if you yeah. like, if you like V20 more than V5, that's a personal preference. I get that. Or if you thought, like, the lore didn't click with you, sure, okay. But to say that it like mm -hmm. destroyed or killed the spirit of vampire, I think that's uh. Like... I think people sometimes go overboard with this kind of stuff. I've uh, 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 I've known people that they don't like anything beyond the second edition. But yeah, like uh, 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 one thing I know about the, the, the fifth edition is the lore. Worldwide, I know very little, but the lore, I like it. In fact, like uh, people discard vampires, that would eventually happen, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And and uh, and they, now they are suffering for the, the stuff that they always say that they would suffer eventually. That's that the, the people who hunt them, like the king counterattacks. And that, you know, that that's... Uh, that's uh, like a promise, like like the like the apocalypse, like the Gehenna. It was always a promise that this shit could happen, and this is a promise they can fulfill. Because yeah. the apocalypse, the Gehenna, they can't. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> they don't make money anymore. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I um, what I really like uh, for fifth edition mechanics wise is thin bloods are actually fun to play. Oh really? Yeah. They're very fun to play. They their powers are so in vampire you can you have to find someone who resonates with a specific kind of emotion to help you learn yeah. disciplines. And certain people really? have potent blood that gives you access to disciplines temporarily. For thin bloods, you find someone whatever their primary emotion is right before you feed upon them gives you mm -hmm. one dot in that discipline until you feed upon someone else. Oh wow. So they are more versatile, if less powerful. Yes, and then the only discipline they have access to is blood alchemy, where they're able to take their diluted vampiric blood and turn it into magic. Oh, wow, so it's like a team blood tomatology, then. Yeah. Interesting. And That's so, very interesting. And so from my understanding with Bloodlines 2, you, everyone starts as a thin blood, and then you can either diabolize someone yeah. to get into the cam or the anarchs. Or you can actually oh, nice. stay thin-blooded. Oh, really? Ooh, okay. That looks like, like some Dark Souls shit there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. That's interesting. So, but uh, yeah, but like, uh, uh, so that's what I say. I know this is going to be good no matter what, but uh, unless they screw up with the, you know, the engine itself, what, what I don't think is going to happen. There's a lot of money on that. But Earthblood, man, I'm kind of vibing since the beginning because I think that, uh, uh, like, I've, I've gone reading the news and I, I like some stuff and I think some stuff strange, but it could work if mm -hmm. it was done right. You know, for example, the fact that the main character is a running, you know. Yeah, uh, I kind of I kind of dig it. I just wish that it gave you more control, like it being an actual RPG like Bloodlines, where you got to choose. Yeah. Like even Your if people, yeah, even if people were just locked into Hamid, which I would get, you know, is getting mm -hmm, to be mm -hmm. able to choose your tribe or anything like that, rather than yeah, generic hero. At least, yeah, or at least the 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 how to call that in English? We call auspices here. Auspices. Yep. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't read the books in English too. <laughs> but. Uh, so all my ideas are still in Portuguese. The main uh, totally keyboard. fine, but yeah, uh, but yeah. If you uh, if you at least could choose that, 
you know. And also, I don't know. I I, ha- I read that the game is gonna be kind of uh, of uh, hack and slash. What I think it could work for werewolf, really. Yeah, I agree with but that. that I, yeah, but I don't know how they're gonna deal with the gifts, especially the more spiritual side of the stuff. You know. Yeah, uh, or so that, uh, that's the kind of hopping between the physical and the umbra. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't know how that's, that's gonna turn. I being a hack slash, I believe the game's gonna be pretty much linear. So maybe there are gonna be times that you're gonna play in the umbra or play in the physical world. And I get that for a hack slash. That that works for a hack slash. Mm-hmm. But I do want them to approach the spirit spiritual topics and stuff because that's a werewolf, man. Werewolf not just Punch, punch, punch. Yeah, agreed. And, uh, uh, and since you're playing a Ronin, you already won't have the political side. Mm-hmm. So at least you need to have the, the spiritual side of the stuff. Maybe do some quests for some spirits or this kind of stuff. Get some gifts, you know? Yeah. I um, Actually, you, speaking of uh, hack and slashes that let you to jump between worlds, were you ever familiar with the Soul Reaver series? I don't know if that ever made it to... Uh, Brazil yeah, or Portugal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me t- let me tell you something. PlayStation, PlayStation One, and then PlayStation Two. PlayStation One had a, a, a competitor here that was Nintendo sixty four, but PlayStation Two, oh my God, it was the thing that every boy and well had in their homes here. And because it was so, yeah, the thing is, one thing you also need to consider when you talk about big stuff in Brazil is that a lot of stuff don't come in here, and when they come, they are expensive. So not everyone has access to. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, what happened with the PS2 is that they unlock the PS2, and you could pretty much buy uh, pirate games for like ten bucks, and uh, and so people would have like a twenty, fifty games back on their home. It was like everyone had their 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 shooters, their soccer games, and such. I was the one that did, back in my day I did have the money, the money even to unlock the, the PS2. So my PS2 still exists. It's uh, it's unlocked. I only had like one or two games, but it was amazing. It was like the golden years of video game in Brazil, really, the PS2 era. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> that 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 could add mechanics, right? Though being able to jump between Umbra and physical world to solve puzzles in between hack and slash. Sections. Yeah, I think that could add it as well. And even to the hex slash mechanic, let's be honest. Like, let's say that you are facing a, a Fomori and in the physical world, and then you go to the Umbra side and attack the spirit itself. I don't know. Maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe in some boss fights, that could happen, you know? I'd like but that. yeah, I'm like, please don't suck. Please don't suck. Because the, 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 the small teasers that are like, showing are great. Yes. They are great. But we know we don't know almost nothing on the on the history in the story side, uh, and the few we know is something that could go wrong very quickly. That's a Fianna Ronin. Yeah. <laughs> so that looks like a looks like more like a get of families of America for me, honestly. But <laughs> good, yeah, like a. I look at a guy and I say, okay, he's a biker for a Get of Ferris game, <laughs> basically. The type of people that makes my vampire cross the street. <laughs> but, okay, let's see. Let's see how that goes. Yeah. Hey, Brennan, you, uh, you sound like you had a question. 
Yeah, uh, this is Earthbound or yeah. Uh, when's Earth, it set the release? Earthblood. I think Earthblood. Earthblood. Earth 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. It's we got the internet. Uh. <laughs> I believe they would. They would. Uh... Yeah, Earthblood. Yeah, okay. Earthblood. I, be I believe they would uh, release a trailer, but then they they delayed because of all things that are happening in the United States right now, right? Yeah. Uh, well, they delayed because for uh, a couple of things, I guess. Uh, the biggest one is that. Uh, Typical, most video games don't come out on their initial release date, and then two, COVID yeah, happened. that's true. Yeah. With all the lockdowns. Yeah. I mean, I'm not about, talk about the trailer, not the, not the, not the game itself. I, I believe they would release a, a, a gameplay trailer, but then yeah. delayed. Yeah, that's, see, that's concerning. I agree with that. Yeah. But, I, I mean, really, I'm totally okay for a game being delayed if it's going to be finish because i remember that i think it was around the 2015 to 2014 that a lot of games were being released obviously unfinished like uh, we have counters of them like for example the last metal gear not the zombie one but the actual last metal gear yeah like it, like it was half finished like and a lot of other games were being released like that so for me if they delay the game, but in the end of the day, they deliver a finished product, for me, it's okay. Yeah. Like, I just don't want to, to, to play uh, Fallout 76, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to go back to RPGs real quick, uh, what All games right. are you running right now? Or playing in? Yeah, so I'm playing right now uh, Vampire, the 20, 20 Years Addiction. Uh, Saturn Ryu, in fact, uh, a friend of my that I didn't talk for a long time, said he'd need a player, and said, okay, I'm in. Um, I'm currently playing, but now I'm kind of free, uh, freeze because, you know, the quarantine and such. Uh, Werewolf game as well. Uh, and GM, I'm uh, gonna start to, to GM a uh, mage game. Also oh. set in Rio. Yeah. Braver man than me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, have, I have the plays and such. Just you know, finish one thing and another there. So getting the time of this quarantine to actually polish the stuff. Very cool. I'm probably gonna gonna start this this month. Then okay. My next mage game. Yeah. So how do you uh, how do you prep for mage? Uh, what do you do? What do you th uh, what helps you get the uh, creative juices flowing and keeping uh, everything straight in your head? <laughs> Yeah, keeping straight in your head is the hardest, the hard thing in Mage. But uh, what usually I do, especially since we are playing Rio, so I'm usually I'm I'm using a lot of uh, folklore and religion, culture from Brazil. You know, uh, that's usually what I do when I when I run games in in, in Brazil territory. I usually take a, a, a I take inspiration from our legends, our myths, you know? And even the culture of Brazil. You see, Mage in Brazil is very interesting because if there are two words that could translate uh, Brazil and Rio as a whole, uh, culturally speaking, would be syncretism and miscegenation as a whole, you know? Uh, both cultures and people here, they are very miscegenated and religions in that way as well. So things like parodying 
and uh, magic in Brazil, they resonate very well. And they create, a, let's say, a play field, let's say, that's I think is kind of unique to, 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 to Mage. And the whole world of darkness. I love uh, urban fantasy as a whole, anything related to urban fantasy. And in, I believe that Brazil is very fertile ground for urban fantasy, not being yet uh, tapped, let's say. Okay. So, for example, uh, I can talk about this because I don't think my players are gonna listen to this. But <laughs> <laughs> my plan for this the, this game is basically that in my setting, the week of nightmares that it happens on two thousand more precisely, and the 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 ascension war between mages and like the traditions and technocrats were like uh, on its peak, and then. Nightmare Week came, everything went to hell, and both need to stop and lick their wounds. But at the same time, when that happened, some stuff started to happen uh, in the Umbra as a whole. And in Brazil, what happens that an ancient evil was wakened a little bit. But basically what happens is that there was this group of mages, they were traditional mages, they were trying to... Uh, like let's say use a backdoor attack for in the technocracy uh, uh, on technocracy, but then they were in the umbra in the exactly moment where when the when the avatar storm happened. Okay. So they were pretty much ripped. One of those mages, he he was uh, 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 he started during the chaos start to listen to a voice like calling to him and saying that if he wants to be safe, he, would, he should come with this voice. So he went. Turns out that this voice belongs to a corrupted Mokole called Ayagera. That's the name of, of, uh, of uh, meat, uh, like a legend from our native people here, like okay. an evil spirit that at the same time protects the forest and such. So basically, this this this, this Mokole, uh was a very uh, important one because he was also uh, he was well more half spirit than the rest because he was the direct son of Helios that was conceived here so he could fight a colonizer that came here tried to settle this place a Portuguese colonizer that was a vampire a last sombra vampire of like a fourth generation like a very very strong guy so he won and he sealed the guy but he was corrupted by the worm and uh, but he didn't have a physical body because himself was also destroyed but his spirit remained so he pretty much united his existence to the mage and it became one so he's like a, a, a fomori and an efanzi you know, just one thing, <laughs> like just fun, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, and basically he started to over the years until like nowadays, he started to recreating like, uh, let's say, uh, like voodoo dolls of, of shards of spirits of the other mages and, and like creating bands kind of kind of and okay. they, he released them. The idea is that they need to hurt the spirit of the city of Rio. So 
this way, this, the protection that the city has over the city itself is going to be weakened. And doing that, he wants to open a portal to directly to Malfeas in, in, the, in the bay of the city and, well, raise hell. Of course, everything started when, uh, when a technocratic agent is murdered together with an uh, elder of the traditions of the city. So both the technocracy and the tradition that were like in a ceasefire have to come with agreement and investigate this and try to find this before hell happens. And all of this happens during the week of carnival, when, when in my setting, the Gollant is already weaker. So yeah, <laughs> that's how I do this st kind of stuff. Take a little bit of the of history, uh, folklore, and mix up. That's mage for me. Okay. Sorry, I talk a lot. Oh no, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I really like I really like having Carnival as like a backdrop. That yeah, just seems no, like it'd man. be a fun environment. Yeah, but that's the thing. Carnival is chaos, man. Carnival is chaos. Let me tell you. And I know that both for living here and also being a tour guide. So, uh, 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 it's it's like the whole city stops. Everything like pretty much closed. And you have the parades, the big parades on the carnival that was with the big floats and such. But that's just one part of carnival. Through through whole the city. You have like people partying in like a street a street parties, you know, like dancing, drinking a lot, and uh, kissing is chaotic. Like it's even hard to get around the city. But at the same time, it's the perfect time to do some vulgar vulgar magic because the consensus is way lower and the golems way lower as well. Everybody that I know has some weird taste of carnival. Like so that's the perfect time to do that. That's really cool. I like that. That's really that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Like if you if you if you compare to the Mardi Gras on New Orleans for you guys, it would be the same thing but in a way bigger scale. Both for the city and the, the and the party. Okay. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh one thing I've started to do and you know, my players probably listen to this but they don't know a lot of vampire lore anyway, is <laughs> I, uh, I've been playing with uh, the different supernaturals being wrong about others and mm -hmm. having legends. So like there's the legend yeah. about how the silver fangs took over the Roman empire and then they were pushed out by leeches. The mm -hmm. silver fangs believe that they were pushed out by two vampires named Ventru and Bruja and that the oh. clans Ventru and Bruja are named after those two vampires that corrupted Rome and pushed them out of power. Oh, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Because it makes sense. Those guys don't know much about each other. That's one thing that I play a lot. Mm -hmm. In games as well, when I talk about World of Darkness. So unless you were... You have some good reason to know, like both for uh, three lores. Like, for example, if you were, I don't know, if you were a uh, king folk that was embraced or something like that, you don't know much. No. Yeah, or I would well, say. Well, you can, you can always ask, but that usually doesn't go that well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to also say, like, you can do things like. Um... 
you can give players some lore that is correct for Wraith stuff if they're like a silent strider who's dedicated to the lands of the dead. But they won't oh, yeah. know that even makes sense. That makes sense. they won't even know yeah. half of it. Yeah, I don't know. That that makes sense. Like if they're a silent strider and such. Same like if they are uh, a verbena, let's say. Mm-hmm. And maybe they know a little bit about how the werewolves see the stuff and you know like see the word of the metaphysics maybe they know about nothing that but they know that the idea of a worm wild weaver yeah or uh if you have a she uh a she changeling they might know that yeah. the fiana the get of fenris and the silver fangs are separate werewolf tribes and they think those are the only three tribes of werewolves yeah like that's that there's a reason why those guys are, are secret from everyone. Yeah, so I've just gotten more into the idea of sprinkling in incorrect lore. Mm-hmm. Like, and also, again, sorry for turning back to Brazil, but, uh, for example, I also find that, for example, the, the kindred of Brazil, they would probably believe that, uh, and they probably would know that, while others not, that there are others uh, where where beasts let's say uh um, or probably they would think that they're pretty much the same guys but with different shapes when other kindred around the world they would probably never heard about a a, a were jaguar or something yeah no i i agree with that that's or occasionally nosferatu know that there are were rats but they don't know if they're just werewolves who can take on an extra form because of gifts. exactly Exactly, exactly. I love this idea as well. Uh, let me ask you guys something, because uh, uh, I want to delve on that topic that uh, we talk about in the page, like, because I think that was very interesting. Like, people playing uh, characters of different gender, different race, and such. I was kind of surprised that that was a, 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 a issue, or at least some topic for discussion in the US and uh, Europe. But I, but then I, I start to like revisit, revisit in my uh, my theater a lot of the strings that I saw, mm-hmm. like uh, for example, Critical Role and such. And yes, pretty much almost all the time, if they're not playing a a, a, a monstrous race or something, they pretty much play people they are like them. I think it's kind of a trend. People play people different from them. You know, I've played. Pretty much, almost every kind of character, like uh, from Japanese uh, uh, characters, uh, Muslims, pretty much everything. Uh, so I never actually noticed. But then I started to record, like, like to uh, remember all the streams that I saw uh, from US and such. And yeah, people usually play characters that are very similar to them. Uh, unless they are playing like a monster race, of course. Uh, and I find this interesting. Like, really, because it's never been issued here, or at least not that I know of. Uh, that's fair. I think, uh, I think part of it is, especially in recording streams, and mm-hmm. you're presenting a public face, is you don't want to accidentally turn someone's race, gender identity... Um, sexuality, etc., into a caricature, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't, or yeah. or if uh, 
the the pitfalls in that article that it really talked about is trying to wear someone's oppression as a costume for a game and then just being able to take it off and mm-hmm. using someone's mm-hmm. real world oppression as a costume for a game and i think that's what it was kind of trying to talk about to avoid is to yeah, avoid yeah. those things and so that's no, why it's I, I, it, oh yeah Go ahead. I, I get his idea, especially. No, please continue. Oh, I was just saying, and that's what I thought it was going for, and that's why, like, the first step one was, you just make a character exactly how you would for, you know, yourself, and then you just change their their skin color, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. that's step one. And because the whole point is, is that people who don't look like you are still people, and to try and yeah. flavor them with stereotypes even if you mean well, takes away from that humanity. You'd say that the problem then would be the stereotypes themselves. Yeah, I would say certainly that's a big part of it. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, as you said, that's that's how I I used to do, like, uh, characters. Like, they are different from me. Like, I said, oh yeah, I forgot to tell this, but one game that I also love to play, and it's also paused because of the quarantine, it's uh, Legend of the Five Rings. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I love that thing. Wow. But uh, but yeah, so Legend of the Five Rings. Everybody's pretty much Asian. <laughs> like some uh, some like uh, flavor of Chinese, Japanese, you know. But yeah. pretty much everyone is Asian. Of course, in my mind, I always picture people like animating every time I play <laughs> any kind of RPG. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> in my my theater, everybody's an anime. <laughs> blame, blame my first game master for that. Uh, but uh, but no, I, I think I get the issue. It just for me, just curious, you know, because mm-hmm. again, I never heard about this kind of thing here in Brazil. I think probably because although there is a there is, as I said for you guys, we are very miscegenated people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so although there is a. a issue with racism and such here is not as bad in the United States as I can see, you know. Uh, it is still an uh, issue here, but not I, I mean, it's, it's not as ooh, that's hard to explain. It's not as uh, aggressive let's say. No, it's, it is aggressive. It's not as exposed let's say like okay. that. Well, so maybe that's, that, that's why I don't um I don't see that much here. But again, I find this very interesting. You can, if you do your homework, all right, as I usually do when I build my characters and NPCs and such, I believe this can actually be a, a very interesting uh, experience for empathy, you know? Uh, like, for example, if you start to play, as I did, as I said I did, as a Muslim character, and you actually do your research, and understand how the head works, you know, pretty much like an actor work on their, you know, I don't know how to call that in English, they, here they call the lab, you know. Uh, but you could pretty much do a, a, a exercise of empathy, you know. You can. Um, shoes. We had talked about this in our first episode, actually, is that can be a thing, but I don't think by definition role-playing, even well-researched role-playing, is necessarily virtuistic and that while it is true but if someone if you even for a moment think 
if I showed this portrayal of a Muslim to someone who is a Muslim person, and you mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable, you may want to either no, of course, yeah, of course, of and course. That, and that's more the thing, and that's why it's uh, that article is very good in saying like if you played someone of a different religion, you just say that you're going through their sacred, you know, prayers. You don't actually memorize the prayer and say it at the table. Of uh, course, I got, I yeah. got, I got an idea. I got an idea. Oh yeah, idea. and and that's and that's that's the article. Religion really. is always like a, 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 a you know, a difficult topic to talk about. But I got an idea. Yeah, and it's just you know, it, and that's what the article really lays out is just mm -hmm. you want your world to feel and, diverse, especially in a world of darkness game. It's just that you know there yes, are pitfalls you can yeah there's pitfalls you can fall into, and you should be aware of those pitfalls. You're you're almost guaranteed to fall into them because we all have blind sides and yeah, uh, and our pre-generated ideas about people. Yeah, and when you see that happen, you know you just you apologize and you try and correct for it to be better to get yeah, better. Yeah, exactly, and that and that's more what that article talked about because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you see that a bit with World of Darkness. A lot of people. For a while, especially in the 90s, early 2000s, they played clans like the Azimites or now the Banu Hakim as mm -hmm. stereotypical Muslim extremists. Really? Yeah. Or, wow. uh, or the fact that the Ravanos were, that entire clan it's is essentially thing. built on uh, Rama, Romani, you know, stereotypes. Yeah. yeah. Or, uh, like you know, the teeth, the 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 rug, yeah, mm -hmm. that's a that's that's an issue. That, yeah. There's a lot of issues in that mm -hmm. in the early uh, War of Darkness. Mm -hmm. uh, when you and, think about it. and the older and younger brother tribes in Werewolf, uh, that they used sacred terms essentially to name name the really? tribes. Yeah, uh, many from my uh, I I speak to a great creator, and I hope I can get him onto this program sometime. Uh, Josh mm -hmm. Heath. He runs mm -hmm. High Level Games and Werewolf the Podcast. And mm -hmm. he talks about it and how he's done research, spoken to Native Americans and things like that. And many talk about how those terms are, are sacred and they, they tr try to never use them with anyone outside of the, their, their tribe and their, their, nation. their wow. nation. And so wow. the fact that it's just used is and in a in a very mundane but very secular way yes and um oh. and then the other one is the term uh, metis actually metis is actually originated from a derogatory term from i believe canada to call someone that if they are native and european mixed yeah. it's used in yeah. that yeah. kind of connotation and that's just a breed of werewolf you could wow be. wow and it's the race of people that should not exist wow. well, i mean it's well, <laughs> yeah exactly it's basically they threw in an n-word style slit slur totally totally yeah, and, uh, wow yeah so wow <laughs> i didn't know that you see it's that's deep. why a lot of this kind of talks uh but yeah wow yeah, and, and the mage itself is a big problem, how they dealt, they dealt with that as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I appreciate Mage 20. They actually changed a couple of the tradition names 
to better yeah. reflect the uh, cultural origins of those. Yeah. yeah. Of the people and such. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, one thing that I love actually about the, the Mage 20 are the crafts. I think the crafts are really nice, really cool, get a lot of flavor. I think they are much more colorful than the traditions themselves, you know? Yeah. Because the traditions, they look like a, a melting pot, a, a melting pot, that's how you say. Yeah. And you mix everything together. Yeah. And uh, but the crafts, they are like a fruit salad. You got it, you got it, I say, you know, they, they, they tend to be more respectful than traditions as a whole because they were created later mm -hmm. and they tend to be way more flavor and inside themselves. What I also like as well, that again, made like real, uh, traditions of magic to feel real, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I do like that a lot of the some of the tradition mages, some of those specific traditions, they're with the traditions because they're just they just happen to be the best options, even though those traditions have historically marginalized them. But yeah, it's not exactly. the same level of marginalization and colonialism that is now associated with the technocracy. And the technocracy has yeah. now definitely been uh, become more allegorical to colonizers. Yeah, I feel that as well. I think that, I, I think that actually, I see still a lot of the technocracy uh, as like a, so. Like when you play a, a technocratic agent, I feel like you are playing the allegory of the good cop in a corrupt system. And when you're playing against them, you just see the system. You don't see people. You see the glasses and the suits. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I, I like having. It's horrible, but I like the the, 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 the you know the idea that uh, that's mage. You no, know? everyone is a human. That's the idea of mage. Yeah, everyone absolutely. Is a human. It's about humanity trying to become better. Yeah, basically, but yeah. no one agrees how that. So that's pretty much the real word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh. yeah, but so that's why I think that mage of all the games of the of the Worth darkness, especially the big tree. Mm -hmm. I think that's all. All of them could be very touching and very uh, empathic. But I believe Mage has a has a base for that that's way deeper than the other ones. I believe that you can pretty much create a, a, a better connection with a Mage than a were beast of a vampire. Because in the end of the day, those people are red monsters, but the Mage is trying not to be one. Yes, I I can agree with that. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, I, I like this idea of the tech technocracy as the colonizer as well. I, I see a lot of that in the in the Order of Hermes, because mm -hmm. uh, I, I, in fact, I've already uh, uh, in my games. One of my uh, GMs they they play like this. That I was playing once as a Magus from the Order, and uh, one of the things that I did was to go to. South America, and pretty much he showed. Look, we, uh, my master in the game, like my my father, my my father. Uh, so see all this kind of shit here. Yeah, we did that. We need to be better than that. <laughs> that was not the technocracy. That was us. Mm. And I like that because a big one is is that you know the flaws of werewolf, right? That they have been. Mm -hmm 
colonizers and their colonization has helped help the worm in many ways more than oh, it's yeah, hard totally, harmed it. Totally. Yeah. I, 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 I think the more clear example of that were the werebores. I don't remember their name right now. Mm -hmm. But they are pretty much the guys that would eat the worm and purify the land. Now, oh yeah, yeah, they were made for that. Let's kill that. Like Yeah. And now the, they're the, the, the uh they're the skull pigs now, or at least heavily hinted yeah. that they're the skull pigs. Yeah. Like uh, the Garou, I like them because they are flawed. They will not be as nice protagonists if they're not that flawed. Mm -hmm. I like they are hypocrite I like they are hypocritical. I like that they are self righteous because that's the world of darkness after all. Our heroes are also monsters in the end. So mm -hmm. mm. and uh when you talk about any I think we can see a lot of that also in the in the Rage Across Brazil that they made. Because you see, one issue in having a, a, a game of werewolves here in Brazil is that there are no wolves in South America. Uh, we have a creature that we call Lobo Guará, or the Guará wolf, but it's more like a coyote than anything. What explains a lot how people here in Brazil behave, <laughs> if you know the new, the new issue. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but the, we do not have, they don't have wolves, and they take the colonization aspect in the making of Brazil, and they put it together with werewolf. Uh, basically, they they say that the, the pure tribes, some of them had uh, specifically the Uctena, they had some connection with Brazil already. They have better been here, but the other ones, the European ones, they came here and they found they start to settle with the with their kinfolk. In fact, their kinfolk came here and they followed. And one issue that I found was that since there was no wolf here, there was no reflection of them in the umber. So they could not form cairns here and they could not extract the gnosis from the umber from here. So it, that, that was a huge issue for them. But then uh, basically one guru uh, found, uh, uh, he kind of bought, let's say, a secret ritual from the Korax from here. A ritual where they would bury a secret and with that get another secret unburied. And what that guy found was the five, what they call in the book, the five wolves of Loom. They were like five wolf spirits that were released in the South America Umbra. And because now they had these spirits, they could actually create Kayarnas here or establish Kayarnas here and take Gnosis from here. So what they did with that knowledge they start to hunt down the Bastet and the Mokole and drive them way further in the in the inlands. Basically recreate the the rage war here. Yeah. That's uh, the Garou. <laughs> yeah. So basically colonization. Mm-hmm. And I really like the recent efforts by a lot of the new writers decolonizing the language of the games. He yeah, I, I noticed that's way more image in Werewolf, actually, uh, at least in the, the in the twenty edition. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, but I, I see that they, they 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 pretty much portray with more emphasis uh, the wrong stuff, and then they correct some uh, word they used to use. Yes. Yes. Like yeah, there's this word, but don't use it, or yeah. we don't use it anymore. <laughs> yeah, like hey. We messed up, you know, and that's yeah. good. That's good. And 
Like, yeah. Half the internet loses uh, their fucking mind, but <laughs> it's oh, better yeah, for the book. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing that they said when I was reading the, the craft books for Mage. They said, like, okay, we were suburban kids in the 90s with very, if, if, with non, if seldom, access to internet. And the internet was still growing. So we took a lot of those, like, uh, pre-generated ideas that we had and put together. And now we see that we screw up. Yeah. <laughs> so they, 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 they did a, a let's we, we call here in Brazil, a mea culpa. <laughs> oh, my, yeah. my blame, my guilty. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I like when they, as the way they did this. No, I, I, I like that they admit fault when fault is made. Uh, that's a, it's a good first step. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, as a whole, I like their I like their uh, position as a company. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, uh, they pretty much respect the people they are dealing with. Yeah, they they certainly try. It seems these days, uh, especially because yeah. they have a fairly diverse diverse um, set of writers now for Werewolf Fifth Edition. Ah, really? Yeah. So that's good. That's that's good. That's good. That's great. In fact. And they're uh, writers from all over uh, the world, so. Oh, nice, nice. That's good. That's good. You can find. A, I know that you can find pretty much a little bit of the word in United States, but that's good as well. Yeah. So. Maybe maybe we're gonna see the the. Uh, I talk a lot about the Rage of Brazil, but you know, but there is a, a, a material for Rio de Janeiro, that was created also by a fan called Rio by Night, mm -hmm. and that uh, the White Wolf made a canon, in fact. I, I believe you can find it in English, in fact, okay. in, the, in the Storyteller Vault. It's nice. very interesting. Yeah. So, I have a question for you. I just thought about it, actually. Uh, since you're following okay. my page and all sure. that, what would you... Hmm. What is... What have you found to be the most surprising aspect of American RPG game, gaming culture, that you've seen through our page? Oh, interesting. I think that the the, the 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 more different things that one that we talk about about playing characters that are not your race or anything, but I believe that the, as a whole, the thing that made me more impressed was I think the size, man. I mean, RPG is a big hub for the people here, but it's not a, a hobby that uh, has size. Let's say we don't have huge conventions of RPGs. Usually our conventions of RPGs, they happen in, inside smaller conventions. I mean, bigger conventions like uh, comic book, books convention, this kind of stuff. So the size of the, 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 the thing in the United States, okay, uh, it's huge. It's huge. Like Cooperation Brazil. Uh, even even like geek stuff as a whole in Brazil, there is nowhere as big as the United States. I mean, again, in size. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of fan base here that is also big. But uh, we don't have a lot of events. We don't have a lot of people producing stuff, at least not producing and being like published and uh, being recognized. So I think not only RPG, but as a whole, the geek culture in the United States is huge. And pretty much the United States looks for geek heaven for us. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. But, uh, and, uh, and it's pretty interesting as well. Uh, for me, in, in like what, more for what I see and watch and talk with people, uh, the way that D 
D&D is way bigger than anything there. Like a lot of people, they, they associate immediately RPG with D&D uh, United States. And I can see why. But, uh, and that's the big difference, I would say. Like if you say RPG here and ask someone here in, 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 in Rio or Brazil as a whole, if they, if they ever uh, play RPG, they're going to, if they say yeah, they probably never play D&D. They probably play Vampire at least once. Okay, that's 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 crazy uh, incorporation. <clears throat> so, as as far it. as exposure to games, uh, have you done any of the vampire LARPs down there? I don't, but uh, I have never done LARPs. Not so much my my stuff. Uh, but there are some big groups of LARPs here in in Rio. Not so much in Rio, but in São Paulo, I would say São Paulo has some huge groups of LARPs. In, in fact, Rio has a, I think, a small one, as far as I know, but Sao Paulo has a huge one. You know, Sao Paulo, it's, uh, if you want to understand the relationship between Sao Paulo and Rio, Rio is more like your cultural heart of, this, of, of Brazil, and Sao Paulo is the economic heart. So, uh, in Sao Paulo, you have way more people than Rio, even though Rio is a big city, and everything is more, everything is bigger outside of Brazil, you'll find it with more presence in Sao Paulo than in Rio. Do you get what I mean? I'm sound confused. A little bit. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. So let, let's, let's just say that Sao Paulo is like New York without the culture. Okay. Okay. So the cultural side of New York, that's Rio. Okay. But okay. the business side, that's Sao Paulo. Gotcha. So that makes more sense. Yeah. 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 That, that's that's easy. <laughs> All right. What would be? What is the one thing then you think, or or one or two things you feel people should know about and appreciate about uh, RPG culture in Brazil? Wow. Uh, we don't do softball questions here. <laughs> what? Sorry. I said we don't do softball questions here. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate, appreciate. There is, there are some stuff. I believe that the Brazilian people are very talented when com when it comes to the dramatic, the creativity. You know, like Brazilians are poppers, man. You probably never saw one, but you heard about them. Uh, and uh, I, some of the most like crazy and great stories that I've that I've seen were created by people like uh, like a GMs here, you know. Uh, and also, there is a, 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 the RPG in Brazil is not as big as the United States, again, as I said, but the people that like RPG here, they're crazy about it. And I would love to see these people treated with more importance by the industry of RPG, like seeing more games being brought here and with a better price, because sometimes the game stuff look like like the language and the price is pretty much the same price in dollars, if not more. Okay. So yeah, so I think that's a that's an issue that should be fixed. I hope someone wizard is hearing me <laughs> right now. I'm sure uh, <clears throat> one of our six followers on Podbean or one of our 70, uh, 76 followers on YouTube is part of Wizards of the Coast, and they'll will get back to you. I hope so. They're a big company. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, and yeah, and I think that uh, one thing that uh, the people should 
in terms of RPG, especially urban fantasy, people should try to 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 research a little bit about the spooky here in Brazil, because Brazil is as diverse as the United States when it comes to culture and legends and myth. So come here, I'm gonna be your guide and <laughs> play here. I can also be your guide if you want. <laughs> Hell yeah. Perfect. Oh man. All right. All right. I think we're close to it. So I got one big quite last, uh, or did you have something? No, please. I was gonna say if uh, if that's it, we got. I always have, I'm gonna end every episode with the one big question, which is okay. if you, what is the one dream game uh, that you wish you could run, but that would be like your ideal game? Uh, if you had the perfect players, the perfect amount of time, as many days oh, as you wow. needed to run, what would that game look like? I, mean, I need to think about that a bit. <laughs> uh, man, I think that would probably be something uh, would probably be something related to urban fantasy. To what? I believe to urban fantasy. To urban fantasy. Maybe okay. some cosmic horror in that, because I'm also uh, I have a soft side for Cthulhu in my heart. <laughs> 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 Uh, man, I, I believe that would be probably a major setting that would last, you know, because although I love the werewolf, Mage's Souls is going to be my favorite game. And uh, I would say that with the perfect time, the players coming this, man, if I could run a major setting, uh, you know, for years, like seeing those characters grow, and come and going, that would probably be my thing. Like, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, totally. I like yeah. that. I like that. Brennan, you got any more questions for our esteemed guest? Uh, answered all my questions. All right. <laughs> hey, Raphael, where can people find you if uh, you want to be found? Okay. Well, when I don't want to be found, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, when I want to be found, you can find me on Facebook. You know, Rafael Pavão, that's how we pronounce. You can just put it without the accent. <laughs> but uh, Rafael, as you say, without the H, uh, P-A-V-A-O, Pavão. Means literally peacock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, if you want to, to DM me, please do it. I love to talk to new people, especially about games. Um, and it was a pleasure guys really if you want to come again would be more than happy to you guys are awesome and uh keep this book alive <laughs> <laughs> thank you very hell much yeah. hell yeah um so i'm gonna be signing out uh we've got myself and brennan and you can find us on as a bunch of gamers on facebook youtube and podbean we are also found on apple podcasts you can also find our Facebook Facebook group. We like to post memes. You'll never find me on Twitter. I find it a cesspool. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see Thanks you later. Catch you next time. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. Keep safe. Bye. You as well. Bye.